St. James Church looked almost too humble to occupy the southeastern boundary of wealthy Mayfair. Designed by Sir Christopher Wren, it gave no indication that the great architect was also responsible for the magnificence of St. Paul's Cathedral, so strong was the contrast. Narrow, only three stories tall, St. James was constructed of simple red brick. Its steeple had a clock, a brass ball, and a weather vane. That was the extent of its ornamentation. As the bells announced the 11 a.m. Sunday service, a stream of carriages delivered the district's powerful worshippers. Because a special visitor was expected to relieve the war gloom, St. James filled rapidly. The morning sunlight gleamed through numerous tall windows and radiated off white walls, illuminating the church's interior with glory. It was a dazzling effect, for which St. James was famous. Among those entering the church, a group of four attracted attention. Not only were they strangers, but two men in the group were exceptionally tall, nearly six feet, noteworthy at a time when most men measured only about five feet seven inches. In contrast, the third man was unusually short, under five feet. The group's clothes attracted attention also. The tall men wore shapeless, everyday street garments, hardly what one expected among the frock coats in St. James. The short man, much older than the other two, had at least made an attempt to dress for the occasion, but his frayed cuffs and shiny elbows indicated that he belonged in another district. The fourth member of the group, an attractive young woman of perhaps twenty-one, what was the congregation to make of her? Instead of a fashionable, elaborate, hooped dress with voluminous satin ruffles, she wore a loosely hanging skirt with female trousers under it, a style that newspapers derisively termed bloomers. The outline and movement of her legs were plainly visible, causing heads to turn and whispers to spread throughout the church. The whispers increased when one of the tall men removed what seemed to be a newsboy's cap and revealed bright red hair. Irish, several people murmured. The other tall man had a scar on his chin, suggesting that his background wasn't much better. Everyone expected the motley group to remain in the standing area at the back, where servants and other commoners worshipped. Instead, the attractive young woman in the bloomer skirt, her eyes a startling blue, her lustrous light brown hair hanging in ringlets behind her bonnet, surprised everyone by approaching the chief pew-opener, Agnes Barrett. Agnes was sixty years old, white-haired and spectacled. Over the decades, she had risen through the ranks of pew-openers, until she was now the custodian of the most important keys. It was rumoured that the gratuities she received from pew-renters had over the years amounted to an impressive three thousand pounds, well-deserved, because a good pew-opener knew how to be of service, polishing the pew's oak, dusting its benches, plumping its pillows, and so forth. Puzzled, Agnes waited for the young woman in the disgraceful bloomer skirt to state her intention. Perhaps the poor thing was lost. Perhaps she intended to ask directions to a more appropriate church. Please show us to Lord Palmerston's pew, the young woman requested. Agnes's mouth hung open. Had this strange creature said, Lord Palmerston's pew? Agnes must have misheard. Lord Palmerston was one of the most influential politicians in the land. Pardon me? Lord Palmerston's pew, if you please. The troubling visitor gave Agnes a note. Agnes read it with increasing perplexity. Beyond doubt, the familiar handwriting was indeed Lord Palmerston's, 
the message unquestionably gave these four odd-looking strangers permission to use his pew. But why on earth would his lordship lower himself to do that? Agnes tried not to seem flustered. She moved her troubled gaze toward the unusually short man, whose eyes were as strikingly blue as the young woman's, and whose hair was the same light brown. Father and daughter, Agnes concluded. The tiny man clutched his hands tensely and shifted his balance from one foot to the other, walking in place. On this cold February morning, his forehead glistened with sweat. Could he be sick? Follow me, Agnes reluctantly replied. She walked along the central aisle, past pews in a configuration known as boxed. Instead of rows that stretch from one aisle to another, these pews were divided into squares.